0: Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast where we're going to be speaking with the lead singer of the best punk band that is based in Las Vegas, Brendan Schultz of Mercy Music. These guys absolutely make some of the best music around right now, especially punk music. And we'll be digging into the music and the mind of Brendan right after this. You're listening to the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. The Powered by Rock podcast was created to help showcase some of the best rock musicians in the world and to pass on to future generations the rock music that has inspired rock fans around the world for decades. We want listeners to be able to hear great stories and life experiences directly from their favorite artists, as well as dig deeper into music theory and talk rock like no other show you've ever heard. This isn't about looking cool, it's about getting real and having a great time. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Power by Rock podcast. I'm incredibly excited about the show today because I'm going to be speaking with Brendan from Mercy Music about their music and the journey they have gone through to become a supporting act for some of the punk rock's biggest names over the years and also just being one of the best rock punk rock bands out there right now. So, hey, Brendan, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, man. Thank, thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's good to have you here. And obviously, we, we met at the, uh, the show about two, three weeks ago when you opened open for Legwagon and Red City Radio. And that was an absolutely awesome show playing at the Brooklyn Bowl. Um, just tell me about how you know, kind of getting that show and, and and playing that 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 show is for you. Because for me, like, if I if I ever open for Lagway, I would probably just kill myself after the end because like that's that's good enough for me.
1: Um, the Lagway show was was awesome. I mean, they're they're one of my favorite bands from when I was a kid. So I mean, yeah. it was it was definitely exciting to uh, to do that and and grateful to have a you know a good show coming back in in you know, out of, I guess the crap we're still currently in, but, you know, yeah. just it's my, my job to keep the train rolling. So, yeah. yeah. And of course
0: we were just talking right before this about how that show unfortunately led to a series <laughs> of outbreaks of COVID and then you having to cancel a show and them having to cancel some shows, yeah. which kind of sucks, but you know, I guess you can't just be afraid to you know, no, it's, live your it's,
1: life. It's the risk you take you yeah. have to, you know, you can't become agoraphobic it's like once you've done everything in your power so to possibly i mean you can't that's the thing
0: yeah exactly so so one thing i do have to admit is uh, i was absolutely thrown when i first heard your guys's music because it was actually told about you guys from angelo celli from bracket who Love absolutely man. loves you guys he he speaks highly of you guys and then i was like well let me go and see like exactly what this band's about and then I saw like when I was scrolling through, I saw a band photo, and I was like, "Whoa, this dude looks like he's gonna make some pretty hardcore sounding <laughs> shit right here." So I was like, "What is this? What's Angela recommending?" But then I listened to the music, and I was like, "Wow, this is like really good. It's like it's not hardcore punk. It's actually quite poppy." And yeah. I'm not afraid of hardcore punk. I like hardcore punk to a certain extent, but you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like don't judge a book by its cover situation. I, I just have to assume that kind of happens to you guys often.
1: It does. It happens to yeah. us a lot, and and not necessarily in our favor either. But yeah. I mean I, I I write pop songs I always have it's just uh <laughs> I just look like a convict so <laughs> it just you know but I'm I'm actually I'm a really nice person I think
0: <laughs> Yeah and I've met you and uh, I didn't get stabbed shanked or or threatened at all so yeah I was a I was pleasantly surprised <laughs>
1: unscathed <Ugh. Yeah. laughs>
0: So before we get into some of the other topics, including some of this stuff that we'll we'll bring up, I first want to ask you about your journey because you kind of been, I mean, you've been doing this, especially in the Las Vegas scene for I would say ten years or more now, right? I mean, it's been a while. So kind of bring me back to like when you guys started. You know, first you were in another band. Obviously, you started a band in high school. Yeah, I think you got signed even, and then you kind of things happened, (laughs) and then you kind of led to Mercy Music. So take me through that journey.
1: I moved to Vegas in two thousand one. And I started my first band in high school with uh, my younger brother. Um we we did a couple records with some bigger producers. Um we did a EP with Ryan Green, who, who uh did a lot of the fat catalog through the late nineties, early two thousands, and then we did a full record with Bill Stevenson um at the blasting room and and just yeah. in
0: case people don't know who Bill Stevenson it, is, obviously you, you
1: should you should know who Bill Stevenson <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah.
0: yeah, drummer from yeah. sentence massive producer as well.
1: Yeah, huge, huge. But I mean that. I mean he was then too. But I mean Rise Against really, I mean, changed things too. Yeah. Um, but again with that, like we did West Coast tours. We, you know, did showcases for some labels, and nothing ever really panned out. And after I graduated, I was gonna go take a break and go to UNLV. Cause I had a scholarship and my, my mom of all people kind of talked me out of doing that and to continue pursuing music, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, and she, so I kind of, kind of did. And Jared, who's the bass player now, we, we were friends in high school, but we never played together or anything. Jared never really been in a band before. And, uh, my mom had the idea to have him join the band because he, I mean, he dabbled with guitar and stuff, um, to play bass. So I didn't want to like rupture our friendship. So I sent the other guy who was the other guitar player for that. I had been working with for whatever this new project was going to be. And he went over there and showed Jared a few of the songs. I'm like, well, let me know how it goes, you know, cause I don't want things to get bad with Jared and I, and, uh, Jared nailed it, I guess, and uh, we had also, I'd also found a drummer at that point in time through, uh, my mom actually found him too. My mom was really <laughs> into this. Um, and we, we practiced that the Friday of that week and had like the first three songs down and that band was called Lydia Vance. Um, and everything happened really quick. Um, like in less than a year, we hooked up with this producer, Elvis basket, who I guess is most famous for kind of discovering Ronnie, Ronnie Radke and escape the fate and stuff like that. Um, and we went out, I I think it would be the summer of. Oh, seven to, to do, we did three songs with him and with those three songs, we got like every label and their mom's attention. Yeah, from that. And Atlantic was the one that really stuck it out and really wanted to stay with the band. So we went back that December and did an entire record. And long story short, like you think all your dreams are coming true, all that stuff. And Atlantic shelved it. And that was that. And I remember us talking to Volcom shortly after that. And no one could pay No one wanted to pay for the record. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was what it was, and it was done. And we had a, a three-piece with, with Jared and the original drummer from that band called Dead Hand that kind of petered out and in the, in the, in the wake of all that crap. And then everyone was kind of burnt out. Um, the drummer of that band ended up moving to San Diego. Um, Jared stayed, but no one really wanted to tour anymore. So I just got frustrated and grabbed an acoustic and started going up and down the coast, and mm-hmm. I did did a few flights to do East Coast stuff, like do five days, like in in uh, you know in Massachusetts, New York, stuff like that. Yeah, um, places
0: close enough to get. Yeah, to move, and move I, power ran, power. I rented
1: a car, yeah. um, and that was like the first you know Mercy Music moniker stuff. And through all that, I realized that I hate playing by myself, and <laughs> it's not really my thing. And I talked to Jared when I got back and I was just like, if you want to recommit yourself to this, like there's no one else I'd rather really be in a band with. Yeah. And it's just kind of gone from, you know, and that's from like 2014 to now. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of how it, uh, it started. Yeah. I, yeah.
0: I actually listened to some of that, my career podcast, obviously my career from MXPX where he talked about that, uh, getting shelved by Atlantic. And it's like, during that time, I was like, you you were you, you know they they came to you and they were like hey where's your following where's your where's your how many how many tours have you gone on who have you yeah. played with and you're like we haven't toured like this is a brand new band yeah you came to us from the demo right so was that like a conversation that you kept having with people or was that just something like you got it's sick just, of having a conversation about and just moved on
1: yeah i mean that was always it, it was like what was your what was your touring numbers what was that and i'm just like well we've been a band for you know a year and we've done nothing aside from you know california arizona you know and that's in las vegas you know so Mm -hmm. yeah and then but that was there's always a thing in the ebb and flow like whatever the current right now it's how many people listen to you on spotify or your tiktok there's an ebb and flow with all of this and it's always a new and there's always been so yeah
0: (laughs) yeah i I think it's crazy because like you know you could you could even be a supporting act for a, a band that just started like this year now just because they have a million listeners yeah. on spotify and it's yeah. like what in the hell like it's it's kind of a good thing like if you would have had spotify then you might have been headlining tours yeah just from that kind of connection but but
1: yeah uh, yeah now more than ever there's no formula and it's, it's so much of it is is luck more than it's ever been i feel yeah but it's you know it's what you sign up for if you want to do this is you, yeah. you take the good with the bad and at the end of the day it's like it's what i do anyways so
0: yeah yeah well yeah it's i mean it's fun for even if even if you're the only one that listens like i'm you know i still play my own music record my own music yeah. and i love it but uh i know that i'll never be opening for Lagwagon and <laughs> mxpx and all these other bands which i think that's one of the most kind of incredible things when i see like local bands. I mean. You're, you're not just a local band. I mean, you have been around. But it's, it's, it's yeah. awesome to see bands that are in this Vegas scene, which is very hard to kind of crack, especially in the punk rock scene, Yeah, um, to kind of expand and, and hit those kinds of big stages.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I, I don't take it for granted.
0: Yeah. So. Well, cool. So one yeah. thing I think is kind of awesome about you guys' music is that you guys play so many different types of styles of rock or punk or whatever you might call it within, you know, a, any one of your albums kind of spanning your, your three albums that you put out. Uh, it's not just, you know, that straight up pop punk or punk, you know, that you might hear from a lot of things. And I know you, you've I think you've labeled yourselves as sad, bastard music <laughs> and redemption pop and some of these other terms that you put out there. I just think I honestly consider it, it's 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 something that you kind of have a natural tendency to just know how to make a great fucking song, which is something that most people really, really struggle at doing. And they, they try to stay. Well, I wouldn't say they try to stay in a formula. It's just that their their natural tendency is to kind of stick to that formula. And you don't seem to have that. You just have this great way of putting out great music, even if Thanks, you man. don't have the same sound from sa- song to song. Um, you know, I, I think that you, even though you're not like on the radio, like, you know, in high rotation, especially nationally, I think it absolutely could and should be on the radio because it's something that if actually people listen to, they'd be like, that's just as good as, you know, anything that's on the radio. Thank you. So the first thing I want to kind of get into is kind of, can you explain your process for going into creating, you know, a song from your perspective? Because I feel like you may come at it from a different angle than many other artists because of just the way that you, I think it's just the way that you see the song building out.
1: I, I, it's always been, it's always been a, I say it's a problem. I know people are always like, well, it's different. It's good. It's um yeah it's always been hard for me to stay on one and it's i say it's because i'm influenced by so many different kinds of music that like there's things i love so much about say what you know each genre each artist what and it's like in that moment like if i go down that path and it's like i'm inspired by that like that's that's what happens and i tried like really hard on the last one on the nothing in the dark record to try and make it like the most cohesive thing we've done and it's i think it's close to that but there's i mean it still veers in in places that aren't just one thing and i, I i've tried to be better at it but then for what we're doing now i'm just be I, i've just kind of embraced the well fuck it this is what i wrote this is what you know we're gonna do and yeah. I, you know, you know, if you can't beat them, join them
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: because I'm not going to like censor myself or I've had stuff that's like way in left field that I've put off to the side or for, you know, but stuff that fits within, like, it just, it just depends on what mood I'm in, what I'm listening to, what, like, you know, what strikes me, what, you know, what I'm feeling. And, but yeah, I, I just, I'd say it's mostly just from loving so many different kinds of music, I guess, that it's hard for me to. And I know a lot of guys like go off and have side projects and stuff like that, but it's like, ultimately it's, it's always tinged with whatever they started with to a certain yeah. degree.
0: It's like, it could just be part of the band, right? Uh-huh. just
1: make it part of the band. <laughs> so yeah, that's, what I've kind of just uh come to terms with it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously you created and started Mercy Music as a solo project. So yeah. it is essentially your voice. So what's yeah. the point of having a, a sec, a second side project out of it really?
1: Yeah. But with Ryan, Jared, I mean, it's really great. It's, it's grown into to more. It's, I mean, it is a band. It's equal, yeah. you know, the sum of its parts because it's not sure. it's not the same thing without them. And I can one hundred percent attest to that and admit it. And it's it's uh, we're like a machine. So yeah, yeah. Well, I
0: mean, even when you put out the the new, I can't remember the song name, but the acoustic one where you, where you were doing the um the um, it was posted on Instagram as just uh, the solo acoustic song. I think it's the last song on the new album.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I mean, even stuff like that, like you could easily say, yeah, you. You know, in in theory, that could be a, a solo project or a side you know project for you, yeah. but that fits on a Mercy Music album just as like you know any time you hear like you know any big band just doing an acoustic song on one of their albums, it's like they're, yeah. Why why would Dave Grohl have to do a, a does, side yeah. project just to put an acoustic song on a Foo Fighters album, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, so just, yeah. So that's kind of where I've come with it, and-
0: yeah, cool. So I mean, for my money, I think the fact that you put out songs like Undone, which sounds like a 60s pop rock song, and then you have other songs like Fuck Me Anyways, that is basically like a pop punk, which is pretty awesome. I think, you know, just having those different things out there. It's like, you know, I always say this because, you know, if a band just does the same thing for years and years and years, it gets really annoying and there are tons of bands that do it. And I still like the band, but I get it's like, can we get a little difference? At least like one or two songs. Don't yeah. change the whole thing and destroy what you built, but at least change something to like bring in something new. Um, so what's your kind of idea on the take of like having a sound for the band without just sounding the same? Like, Do you guys kind of have do you think you have a sound that you kind of need to kind of stick to or is it just that's just the music that you always play? I think that
1: um, inherently there's things that make it us like there's things that we each do that. like, I mean, I know there's things in my writing process that I do. There's and it, it also took me a while to be okay with that too, is like doing the same things again in a different way. and But like treating it more as like your thing than something that's repetitive, something that yeah. makes it you. And I think no matter what we come out with, it's going to have have that on it, whether it's like in a sense growing in songwriting or, or like a departure from something, I, I still think there'll be elements of ourselves throughout it, like our, our stamp or whatever, for yeah. lack of better words, Yeah. because there's, there's, I mean, there's, I, got, I call them, you know, like, just like cute little things here and there, like in the arrangements or, or, cause we're all really OCD and it's all really hard for us to be okay with repetition, which is like anti being on the radio. But at the same time, like we, we try and find a happy medium. Yeah, It's like pleasing ourselves with pleasing what people may want to hear, like what people think people want to hear, you know, like yeah. how many times a chorus is repeated or, but in like all honesty, like in each one of our songs, it's very seldom one part repeats more than once the same exact way. Yeah, And and that is kind of like our, I mean, it's not just, there are bands that do it. I'm not saying it's just us, but it's just like yeah. it, it appeases us and has become kind of our, our, our happy medium for, you know, staying on some kind of, of song program like verse chorus verse etc etc
0: yeah i know what you mean because i mean even when you just create music like creating the music learning to play it writing the lyrics for it then and getting the band involved them them playing it then you practicing it enough to record it then you recording it and then you actually playing it and it's like holy shit by the time you first put this in front of a, a live audience you're like i played this like 200 a thousand times it's like I'm already sick of this fucking song like
1: like you know? we haven't even toured on nothing in the dark really and and Ry is so sick of <laughs> so yeah. sick of playing it but it's like it's just you know it's the way the world went and yeah so yeah, yeah. it's
0: like you I know like and it's like you love the songs but you're just like man I want to mix some things up again I want to like do some things different but yeah I mean you know I, I've never been on like a long tour and I've never had to play like repetitively that much as a pro musician or anything but you know just creating a song it's like by the time I get to the point where it's recorded and done, I'm like, I don't really want to play the song for, like, the next year. And then I'll just let it sit for a while.
1: Yeah. And that's <laughs> the thing is, like, people, most people don't realize that, that, like, by the time you're hearing the song, like, <laughs> they've probably been playing it, you know, best-case scenario for for six months to a year before, yeah. you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one thing that most musicians won't uh, obviously admit to or be honest about because, you know, you go watch a show, and you can kind of tell when some bands are out there and they're like, I kind of want to play this song. Like their, their energy just kind of changes and they're like, all right, here's the song off the new album. And it's like, it's just that one that, you know, they, they, yeah. they know they have to play, but they just don't want to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So it's funny because I usually ask, you know, a guests about like the evolution of music of the band over the years and all that stuff. But I think it's really interesting because I don't think you guys have actually kind of evolved in the sense that like your music has genuinely changed. Like, I think you've kind of started from a point where You are already in the process of evolving what you started with to make it kind of expandable. So it wasn't like it was a a noticeable difference. Like most other bands, you see, like the first album is, it's just, let's get it out. It's what we've been playing. And then all of a sudden, the second album, they can start tinkering with some things. The third album, it's like overproduced. And then they go back on the fourth album to like bringing it and scaling it back down. You guys kind of just had this ability to kind of blow these things out, like as big as you wanted right from the start. I think it's just from that experience from a young age. It's like, understanding the production side and understanding the recording side and making the songs right so i'm just curious did you have a greater vision for the band right from the start due to your past experiences that you were like involved with
1: for that's the thing is like what we going back on what we were like talking about i'd say the first record out of the three is the most all over the place yes because when i started i was just like i don't want this to be anything other than you know someone saying it's a, a rock record but there's like, a if you want to like go genre wise, there's like a million different styles of rock genres on the first yep. record. Yep. And and as we started touring, like we, DIY touring, like we, you know, we've always aligned more with the punk scene. So it's like we play with a lot of punk bands because it's, you know, it's just what we, and of, of course I'm influenced by punk rock music, like yeah. there's no doubt but I don't think we're the fucking punk is banned on the planet by any stretch of the imagination. And I know a lot of people have given me, you know, talk shit on us for that. And it's just, what, what do you want me to do? And (laughs) like, this is what I, you know, and. Well, I think here's, here's the thing about punk. Everybody who is a
0: punk is usually wearing a punk's uniform. Doesn't mean that they actually are punk. And in your case, you're just, you like punk. Like like me, like I like punk. Doesn't mean I have to go to like, you know, no. do heroin and mosh pit and all day and all this other crap that you know like all these hardcore punks have to do right like, like i like punk like i grew up on punk music since like you know 1994 or whatever like yeah what am i gonna do i'm, I'm not gonna just fit your mold what's so yeah. punk about that like why would i be that kind of person where i just conform to whatever you think is punk
1: yeah and that that was my thing growing up too and i, I mean because that was the thing is it was just like uh you can't listen to any other kind, like, I never ever wanted to shut myself off from that. And I got shit from it all, you know, all through, you know, I listened to music at a really young, I got really into music at a really young age because of my parents, but like, you know, at the time where everybody else was starting to come around where music was an important thing in middle school and high school, like they all broke off into their sex of things. And it's like, you know, and obviously all my, most of my friends were like the hardcore punk dudes. And it's like, I got shit on constantly for, you know, listening to, you know, whatever wasn't the casualties or, or like, but that's, you you just can't pigeonhole yourself in that way. And I, I, I don't know, I, I got off track here from the original question.
0: I, I think it's just the idea of like, you know, obviously, you know, building the band to be evolving from the start and you obviously yeah. talk about the, the different genres that you grew up in and not yeah. pigeonholing yourself so yeah. I think that's right cuz I that's how I always felt about music is like you're not going to tell me the kind of music that I can make or how it should sound and that's probably why I'm not nearly famous at all like I'm not I have like 10 fans in the whole world <laughs> um, but that's the thing like you don't want to make music for other people because then you're doing it for the wrong reasons in my opinion if you do the music that you like to make and then it happens to get good like yeah. big and stuff then it's way more fulfilling than just you know making garbage music that no one want, that you don't want to play.
1: Yeah, and I've I've caught myself in that trying to like our second record like kind of start like trying to make a more you know what we thought people wanted, and then it just I, I stopped and we just did what you know we do what we always do. And yeah, it's it's hard because you think you want to write a certain type of thing, and when you've been doing this as long as I have, like, and. Having been ha- having been told by so many different people what the formula is or what yeah. works and what doesn't work, like it's really hard to not go back on that and be like, "Well, this doesn't have that. Maybe we should." And you end up becoming your own worst enemy. Yeah, and it's like you can't. You got to try to do your best to not allow that to happen.
0: Yeah, and I know you you've kind of called it a curse of like not sounding like something that's on the radio or whatever. You know. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think. Let me let, let's put it this way. I think that the radio. Is mostly garbage anyway. So, if not sounding like the radio is a bad thing, then sign me up because I don't. I, I yeah. stop pretty much listening to the radio most of the time
1: anyway. I don't, I don't think anybody listens. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it blows my mind. I don't know who yeah. listens. Yeah, but so yeah, no, yeah. I no. I'd love to. I'd love to. You know. I'd love for it to be 1994 again, you know, because yeah. I think we'd have a shot, but like I'm not living in some grand delusion of, yeah, yeah, like I know what, I know what's yeah, the up.
0: punk rock revival and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. That's the thing about what I, when I listen to your music though, it's not, it, it, like you said, it's not straight up punk rock or whatever. It's, it's got a lot of pop in it, which you're not shy about saying it's pop music because it's, it's that poppy. And I actually, yeah, so
1: many, so many dudes are afraid of that, of a title. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, I don't know.
0: It just means popular.
1: <laughs> yeah, it means it gets stuck in your head, and it's ge- yeah. it's generally okay.
0: <laughs> exactly right. So yeah. So I'll get back. I'll get back into that a little bit more in a second. But yeah. uh, I want to talk about Las Vegas for a second because this is a scene. You know, we both live here. Um, you're probably one of the few guests I'll probably ever have on the show that probably that only uh, that not only have I met in person, but will actually have a very insightful perspective of this loony town. So I know you've been implanted here for for you know two decades or whatever now i'm just curious as to like what's your perspective of you know them like just the music scene trying to stay alive here as, as a local uh you know vegan las vegan um you know obviously the aside from like the festivals like punk rock bowling or life is beautiful it's pretty hard to like see like a rock scene here or even a punk rock scene there's you know things will crop up here and there. Venues will come up and they'll just kind of die out. And there's obviously like big venues on the strip and stuff, but um, you don't see like, there's not really that local nature of the beast here that there is, you know, all the way up and down the West coast and harboring itself in the Northeast over there.
1: It's, it's, it's been that way as long as I've lived here and it's always been a, like a grassroots determined, like just sheer determination to keep it going. Um, And, yeah, there, there isn't, it's like, and it's like what we have, like, what we have, I think is something that like we have all created and something that we, you know, are, are proud of in our, in our own way. And I really saw it with, uh, I saw it as best when, when, uh, Emily Matthew started the punks in Vegas page. And I think things really started, um, going in the, in the right direction. Yeah. And. I th- it had a, it had an effect like nationally too because I'd, I'd see more bands that would usually skip Vegas come come through and do a Punks yeah. in Vegas session or stuff like that.
0: I mean, you know full well that almost every band skips Las Vegas. Yeah,
1: almost <laughs> almost every band from Santa <laughs> like,
0: to Tempe or something.
1: Yeah, we're such it's because it, it just seems like we're like we're always just a little bit late. Yeah, <laughs> to to and it, and I'm not saying everybody, but I'm just saying you know you know talent buyers, stuff like that, you know, and it's, so it's, it's bittersweet. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm proud, I'm proud of the Vegas scene for, for, for what, for what it is, but comparatively speaking, you know, like you said, up and down the West, there's not like a large, you know, original music scene here. Uh, I don't think there ever has, has been. But what yeah,
0: we I mean, do, even like to Oregon, has a bigger local music scene than Las Vegas, which is crazy. I'm like, and,
1: and like seeing like the the pan like through the pandemic right now, like I'm I'm struggling to see who's still like active an active band or, and like you said with venues, it's always been that way with venues. to the, yeah. they'll pop up and go away. It's just you know it's flavor of the week with whatever's operating. Yeah, and that's just a, you know it's like it's like endure and overcome. That's like the Vegas yeah. scene. <laughs> And don't succumb
0: to becoming some sort of, you know, Las Vegas, you know, Fremont Street cover band or something. Yeah, because that's the way to make money here, basically. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so um, I think I want to get back. So yeah, I I think obviously, you know, one of my missions. This is a long-term goal: is to find a way to create you know, obviously the Punk Rock Museum's coming here. Uh, I think it's coming here early uh, 2022 or something like that. So that'd be cool. But I wanna find a way to actually build a venue that is worth people checking out and coming through Vegas. And I've got some ideas and, and maybe someday we'll, we'll talk about the grand vision that I have with Powered by Rock. But uh, I, I really wanna see Vegas as, you know, it's the entertainment capital of the world. Why can't it be a local, you know, punk scene or rock scene? bands actually can have a chance to play here without just skipping it because they know that it's not going to matter. So I think if we, if we stay in touch for the, for the next 10, 15 years, we might have something that we can actually uh, point to. Yeah. so, so, yeah. Cool. So I think uh, going back to the music, I think one of the things that kind of set you guys apart from most local acts, especially local acts here in Vegas is that if you ask me, your singing abilities are, your ability to sing is pretty much off the charts. You guys are all great musicians. Uh, but I, when I really started to rack my brain to kind of figure out why you guys sounded so good, I kept coming back to the tone of your voice because it sounds like a really big voice. It, it belongs to like a world famous band or something. And I actually narrowed it down to a, a lead singer that I could say, you know what? It kind of has this guy's tone and it's uh the lead singer from the gym blossoms. I believe his name was Robin Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Um, if Robin Wilson just made like your style of music, I think, you know, gin blossoms aside, like they were massive, like back in the nineties. Right. Yeah. If that guy would have made music, like your guys' music, I think he would have still been incredibly famous doing that in the nineties because that voice is so powerful. And you know, like you said, don't be afraid of the pop music, but I'm just curious, like how did you craft that vocal tone of yours? Because it's, it's, it is so (laughs) good. Thanks. Thanks man.
1: Yeah. Um, I sang because I thought you had to, if you played guitar, yeah. So I started playing guitar when I was nine and like it was, I was 10, 11. Like I started to try and write songs or whatever. And I just thought like you, if you play the guitar, you sing. Because everybody I looked up to at those ages was singer guitar players. You know, yeah. and like Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, Billy Joe, like the they all, you know, sang and played guitar. And so I just started singing and that was kind of it and I got—I guess I got lucky. I have a really good natural ear. I mean, and yeah. that's also how I play guitar, and if I didn't have it, I'd be up shit creek, I'm sure. Um, but starting the Mercy music thing is really what cemented me relying on my voice as a way to, you know, for lack of better words, impress people or get people's attention, because when I'm because normally it's like through guitar playing. But yeah. when you're up there playing, you know, acoustic by yourself you, to, you know, to grab people, you got to use your voice, man. That's yeah. what people are listening to. And I I definitely attribute those first, you know, three or four Mercy Music tours by myself, like definitely building my vocal strength 110%. Like by the time we did the first Mercy Music record, my voice was, you know, in a better place than it's ever been. Yeah. And I, I also quit smoking and. 2016 and that has given me so much back power yeah. wise range wise that you know i the lost to
0: sing a note for a long period of time for example. yeah or just <laughs> even high,
1: yeah or higher stuff too yeah. but yeah i mean I, i'm lucky that it came more naturally to me but it, i mean it's it's definitely strengthened over time i still i still hate my voice with passion <laughs> and singing i singing i hate doing more than anything and uh writing lyrics also is a huge. Well, I think huge... Adele
0: is the same thing. So you're in good company. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, that was a. Uh, I just I got lucky with the singing and I thought it was something you had to do. And yeah, now was I do it like it.
0: a specific singer that you kind of like looked. Because so when I first started singing, it was all like the pop punk stuff. So I was like Blink-182. I, I was actually a little bit more like low key at, at the start, so like screeching weasel. Green Day and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, I, I, I might attribute Ben Weasel or Ben Ben Foster to actually making my voice not as good as it could have been because I kept trying to mimic his voice, which not the greatest voice in the world when you listen to it vocally. You're like, yeah, it's like it's it's crunching it all down and making it kind of nasally. But um, that was the kind of sound that I, I I thought my voice kind of naturally was inclined to that. And I was like, yeah, it makes good punk music, but not a great overall vocal tone. So it was like, was there anybody that you were looking at and going, like whitney houston that's who i should be (laughs) no (laughs) um
1: no when i was first started it was like i wanted to be billy joe right and then uh i was really into thin lizzy too growing up so he he's definitely i love the way he sings i love his inflection phil linna i think he's i think he's a legend um and then just you know, via my my mom listening to cool music, I, I squeeze and Elvis Costello. Like when I started to hear that kind of like real singing and stuff like that, like yeah. maybe subconsciously that's where you know I wanted to to go with it. Like I just yeah, I could going back to like the band, like we're all we all want to be really good at what we do, and we've spent a lot of you know time at it and people compliment us and it's, it's, it's great. And we're appreciative, but it's like, we, it, we didn't wake up, you know, yeah. one morning and, you know, ma you know, be great at what we do. Like, <laughs> so you're it,
0: saying you weren't born a naturally <laughs> talented singer and guitar player. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but no, but like, you know, I've been, I've been playing since I was nine. Rise has been playing the drums since I think he was four or five in drum line, yeah. just doing snare. And Jared's, you know, been playing piano bass guitar since he was a kid. Um, yeah we put a lot of time and effort to, we want to be good. We want to be good musicians. We want to, you know, we want to be proud of what we do. And yeah. yeah. So it's always, I
0: always use the example of like Nickelback. So we were talking about how you have to play like repetitively and just be, be persistent and want to make it good. Right. So like yeah. Nickelback is widely considered one of the most hated or disliked bands of all time, even though they've sold hundreds of millions of records or whatever. Right. So people obviously like them for some reason, but just imagine like, even if you were Nickelback, like you didn't have overnight success, right? So you had to play for 10 years before those albums start getting whatever, you know, fame or whatever. You had to do something together as a, as a band, right? Mm-hmm. So just imagine if if you think that Nickelback's music suck, they had to play those shitty songs yes. in their garage 100,000 times before you ever heard them. And they had to play them another 100,000 times after you heard them just to get to the point where they were actually famous and, and hated by everybody, right? So it's like, this is the kind of music culture this cycle that that that's out there that's created by the music industry and it's like isn't there something better than that like why can't we just go out make good music tour with it make money off of it you know live off of it and people enjoy it without having to be captured in some sort of like cult for a a record industry
1: yeah i just (laughs) i mean that's i mean in the 90s you almost saw it happening yeah you know and
0: and then MTV you, stopped playing music and then everybody else stopped playing music. It's still,
1: like, <laughs> still amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I look back at that and I think it's something people took for granted, like that it was like the lot. Cause like, think about rock radio in the nineties, every genre that you heard and that yeah. like, now you, you would never, that would you never, never happen. hear
0: punk or ska on the radio. It's very yeah. rare. Like I think I yeah. heard the interrupters on there like once. Like. Yeah. That's yeah. about it. Like you don't hear, you don't even hear like rancid or no effects. They have a new album come out. You never hear them on the radio. No, no. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty interesting. But uh, you know, obviously you guys are all very talented. I, I enjoy I, I, when I watch you play guitar, it's like actually pretty incredible how you can just like bust out a little solo a little shred real quick, uh, but you don't put them into every song, which is kind of a good thing because I think, you know, like you, you'll have like a five to 10 second solo and it doesn't really go throughout every song. It's just like, you don't feel the need. Like you you were saying, like um, maybe, when you first started, it was like, instead of vocally performing, you would, you would guitar, you do something yeah. like guitar that would perform. So what's, what's your overall take on guitar solos? Do you feel like you need them in a decent amount of songs or you kind of just put them in where you seem to have space or do you feel like it's just like, here's a good spot for it.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a recovering guitar solo guy. <laughs> um, I, I loved guitar solos up until I was, you know, into my mid twenties and the band that Jared and I were in before this was highly guitar oriented, like very thin Lizzie with, you know, dueling leads and and harmony parts. And Sync- syncing up on leads and stuff. Yeah. A there. lot of that. And I just, I kind of, and th- my thing is also is like, I've never up until the newest record, I've never pre-planned a guitar solo or written one. And it, when push comes to shove and you're sitting in the studio, like it's a huge pain in the ass when you haven't, yeah. But it's like, I've come up, you know, I've come up with really cool shit by the seat of my pants. And like, that's always the way I've operated. I've never, but for this last one, in essence of time, I actually mapped out what I was going to do and where I was going to do it. And it was a huge time saver, but I'm, guitar solos are a pain in the ass. (laughs) And unless I feel like it really needs it, I try to stay away from it. I am guilty of putting like, Diddly D's and and cute things here and there. Yeah, I like I lean more, but just ultimately, diddly
0: diddly (laughs) D's is what I don't know.
1: (laughs) And uh, but ultimately, it's just like if it serves the greater purpose. Right now, will it will it have a guitar solo? But if it's if I feel like or we all feel it serves the song, because I mean they've they've asked me to you know put a solo when I didn't want to do one, and that's you don't really hear that very often. So yeah, I'm kind of I've just, the guitar solo has kind of left a, a bad taste in my mouth and I kinda try and steer away from it because it's just a rabbit hole that I I don't want to go down and you know it's impossible not to do some of the same things over again and, and yeah and, and so
0: Yeah, I mean unless you know every like note and fret and scale like Eric Clapton yeah. or something, it's like you're gonna repeat some of the scales that you kind of know because yeah not everybody's like gonna just have that full range of everything i certainly don't like i i don't play every scale and every you know what do you call it like every uh semitone like up and and scale up and stuff like that but at the same time you know at least maybe change a key here and there or whatever that's cool but yeah when when you have to sit there and try to stuff a guitar and then try to memorize that plus learn the, the lyrics and and all the other stuff you're supposed to do it's like i got enough on my plate like guitar solo, like if if I think it's going to fit, if I I think like, you know, in some songs when I, when I write it, it's like, okay, if I've got too many lyrics or something, maybe I'll break it up with a a little guitar solo, but that's really all I'm thinking. If I ever put a guitar solo and I'm not ever thinking like, Hey, let me start this song with an awesome guitar solo and then build the song from there. It's like, nah, that's never going to happen. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I just, yeah, I kind of got burnt on it.
0: Yeah. Cool. So I believe you're married with uh, three kids. Is that correct? Three. Three kids. So. I have to ask like how do you find any free time I have a 11 month old now and I'm pretty much always stressed for time and um, I just find that like I I haven't even picked up my guitar and played truly for more than like 10 minutes in like five months at this point now obviously he's young still but I'm just curious like does the family like are they happy to, to kind of give you that time to do what you need to do or is it like a constant struggle to make everything
1: work? It's a constant struggle. I mean, it takes a village, and I'm—I've yeah. been lucky that I have—I do have a supportive family. My wife is incredibly supportive. Um, I mean, it takes the right kind of person to be okay with you doing this. You know, yeah. when it's not, you know, when it's your highest priority and is and is gathering the least amount of income. Um, so yeah, like you could
0: be—you could be doing anything in a day job and making yeah
1: twice as much money. Yeah. I mean, I have a day job, so that's good. Um, but my day job gives me a lot of freedom, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a group effort to make it, to make it happen. And all three of us have kids now, which is hilarious. Um, (laughs) I just started way before everybody else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is, it's a constant struggle and it's a, it's a battle. And you, again, something you have to prioritize to get it done. And we all, yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking for advice because I'm like, I don't. I'm not. I'm playing a band, and so like every time I'm like, hey, I just want to go play music. I just, I can feel like, it's like, no, nah, it's it's pointless. You're never going anywhere.
1: <laughs> uh, it's never. It's never pointless, man. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: It's never. It's pointless. just
0: like I got to prioritize my hobbies, otherwise I'm gonna go fucking insane here, listening to the kids screaming and and every arguing about stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So obviously, you guys did release Nothing in the Dark in 2020, obviously during a pandemic, uh, which means you didn't get to support it until this year. So yeah. do you feel like that was kind of like a major letdown to let the ability kind of to help promote the record, or you kind of did you find any positives from that, or was that just pretty much like I hey, thought? Hey, we could tour in 2020, and all of a sudden no.
1: Well, I it's hard to say it was negative. I mean, we we sold out of the record, yeah. So I mean that's good. Now that we have five copies left, and we're getting ready to start doing shows again, that's kind of bad. So it was it was just we got to the point where it's like, how long could this go on? And it's like, I'm not gonna sit, because we had a similar problem with the record before and it taking a really long time to get out by the time that it did. And we didn't want that to happen again. Yeah. And so we just you know, we did it. And it is what it is now. And could it have been better if we were touring? Yeah, probably. Um, but I can't kick myself in the ass now because it's just it's a decision, a decision we all agreed to to make. Yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing is, if we waited, now we wouldn't have vinyl till like 2023 because yeah. apparently <laughs> that's not happening anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. Adele and T Swift got to <laughs> take <laughs> precedence. That's
0: such an insane like, why don't you guys put your money together and go build your own vinyl factory somewhere? They right they, they,
1: they could. <laughs> Like everybody else
0: work with the mom and pop shops that are actually yeah. doing it for the right reason yeah. But yeah so obviously are you guys working on new music now or are you strictly yeah jared and i promotion? have
1: been uh jared got a bug up his ass during lockdown and bought a bunch of recording equipment so oh, nice. we've been like demoing at his at his uh well we we rehearse at jared's house we have a bed, a spare bedroom um but yeah we've been recording and i've been more and more just putting the finishing touches on things. Whether or not it's a record or we're gonna have a bunch of singles, I don't know yet. But yeah. Um yeah. I think they're getting to a point where I'm okay with them. And yeah.
0: yeah. EPs are always a thing. You can definitely sell those on vinyl too. Yeah. Get vinyl. yeah <laughs> If
1: we ever get vinyl again.
0: <laughs> so obviously you guys have been uh getting some gigs again since the pandemic ended. Well, I shouldn't say ended, but since yeah. People act like it's ended. Uh and like I said, you, you open for like, like you're going to be opening for MXPX in early 2022. Do you guys feel like you're kind of getting your sea legs again? And, and how's it feel to jump back in with bands like those two juggernauts?
1: I mean, it was a it was a struggle to get the, like because what when did things start really opening back up? Like,
0: well, here I think it was like four months after it started. But yeah, that's just because Vegas is crazy. Yeah, like, we I was like show shows. <laughs> so I just yeah, it was probably late 2020.
1: It maybe. was hard to start getting you know getting on bigger bills because I, I I'm not. I'm not disillusioned. Like I know we're a very we're a baby band in this in the sea of bands, but I mean, so that was it. Just it's again, it's just like pushing through that and and you know being relentless and not going away and being annoying and and you know just trudging through shit yeah. and uh yeah. So it feels good. The lag wagon thing feels really good. The MXPX thing I'm still in shock about. Um, yeah, which is gonna be fucking awesome and then I know that
0: about by by you guesting on the podcast or was that something already in the
1: works um, I'm gonna get tribute to a hundred percent to of the podcast yeah um, and I'm thank you thank you Mike Tom here <laughs> thank you um, but I know we're gonna have a few things in between I mean from January and April um, but after that we're, we're gonna go back into the studio in April and finish what what we're doing and then um, I mean, if Europe opens or stays open, I know Germany is having a tough time right now, but, um, Europe in the fall of, of, uh, 2022,
0: like festivals or like an actual,
1: just a big like, tour, I there will there will be some festivals, nice. um, but yeah, that's still, it's still early on. And I know they're, they're doing sh- shutdowns in Germany again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So,
0: which can't believe it's been literally almost two years now like to the day since like the pandemic started
1: yeah I mean our our last our last tour was Europe before before things shut down
0: yeah it just seems like when can we actually just do things like go wherever and not have to worry about anything anymore but yeah
1: no no that's I mean that's the thing about even playing shows again is like there's a slight degree of fear you know yeah
0: Yeah. that you'll be stuck somewhere and like oh well now we can't go anywhere for Fourteen yeah. days or ten days, and plus we can't we have to cancel these shows, right?
1: Yeah, it just happened to that uh, that band Cali Mossy. They were out there doing yeah. their Europe tour, and they had to kill it, you know, two weeks early. And that's like for a small band that's like so financially detrimental. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, hopefully things go well, and obviously planning, you know, um well into the future is is good. I mean, even bands like Incubus and all these other bands have had to cancel sh- like tours, like whole tours. Primus did it. Like, hey, we are twenty twenty one summer twenty twenty uh we mean summer of (laughs) 2022 like and it's like it just keeps rolling over and it's like yeah when can you actually financially make this a a a business decision to make it worthwhile yeah and you know obviously for active you know i I won't call you a young young band anymore but you know for bands that are like in your prime trying to grow your presence that's a huge shutdown and slap in the face
1: yeah it's good it's 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 i mean it's a lot easier when you're Green Day to go and proceed with the Hell Omega tour when you yeah. have that kind of. It's a lot Yeah. So, how
0: that but, shit went down without having any well, Fallout Boy had some COVID stuff, yeah, but uh, how that thing completed by you know going through Florida and all that stuff during the middle of a yeah. pandemic, I'll never know. That was crazy. But yeah. So obviously we'll add some links to the music in the show notes below this episode. But do you want any you know plug anything or upcoming shows or anything? Obviously, this will air in just about a week from now. So, okay. um, you know, will say anything to the fans or people who haven't heard about you guys yet.
1: Uh, if you're a fan, thank you for listening and for your continued support. We love you. Uh, you're the reason why we get up in the morning and do this. Um, and I, I say that very honestly. Yeah. Um, if you haven't heard us, ch- check us out on our, our social media. Uh, Instagram at Mercy Music. Uh, at Facebook is at Mercy Music for you. Um, that's
0: 4 or f o r
1: f o r like okay. uh yeah sorry i just che-
0: i just want to make sure so that people if they're just i'll put it in the links but if, in case they're too lazy to check it out
1: they can yeah, you, check, it out. check us out if you haven't checked us out before we'd appreciate it um <sighs> and yeah that's i mean all I can confirm right now is, is April with MXPX. Those will be our next shows. And yeah. uh, we're currently working on new music. And, uh, and that's,
0: is it LA and Tempe? Is that? Yeah, it's uh, yeah,
1: Tempe and uh, in Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah, I know mean, it was
0: somewhere around there. I couldn't remember exactly where, but yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah, I mean, that's obviously gonna be a blast. Um, I hate driving to both of those places, but I may make a make a trip just to come see you guys.
1: I hate driving to Arizona, but yeah. For this, I don't. I'll drive wherever. I don't
0: care. I <laughs> like, like, traffic in LA or the 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 armpit of the world that I call Arizona. Either way, I'm like not so happy about either of those places. But um, yeah, it should be awesome. Obviously, MXPX. That's going to be an awesome show. Um, I want to thank you, Brandon, for for obviously coming on the show and talking and having an awesome conversation today. And if you haven't checked out their music yet, go to the show notes below. Check out their music. Don't be a dud. Have fun. It's going to be, you know, the way that Brandon describes it, you're going to be like, well, I don't know what the hell to expect, but you're going to love it. Trust me. It's going to be awesome. If you do like what you heard on the show, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends on social media. You can see the full interview on our YouTube channel as well, which you'll see in the, link, the links in the show notes as well. Also, if you want to check out some of our written content or any of the products or merch that we have available, go to PoweredByRock.com to read our absolutely free rock and blog full of album reviews, interviews, and lists to keep you entertained. And find our gear as well so you can pick up some items to play and look like a rock legend. That's our show for today. We'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on.